There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey! Hey! All right. Oh, darn it. Life has a way, doesn't it? Feminine. With your boy 3K and Big Robbo on this lovely hey. Thursday night. What's going on, Robbo? I'm having it on Thursday night. Rocking LA. Going to ram it today. That's the best way to do it. We are missing Myson and Joey tonight. Myson is at football practice with some youngsters. Joey's making pizza. I have a question. Do you have any ingredients that you refuse to eat on pizza? I know there's a, a raging debate around pineapple oh. on these internet parts, and some people have some other feelings. Obviously, anchovies have a very uh, binary uh, you know, demarcation between the people that support anchovies and the people that absolutely hate them. What is your, your I- I- ingredients of interest on pizza? It depends if I'm eating it with my wife or if I'm solo. Because if it's with my wife, it's usually cheese, and if we go really crazy, it's it's pepperoni. <laughs> okay. But uh, as far as my personal preferences, no, you should be able to put anything on a pizza and make it taste good. Get, like old Converse shoes, saute sure. it up and throw it on there. It'd be good. Pizza's all – everything on pizza's good. I saw, yeah, I I saw something today on pizza where they were – Serena, the Rams uh, reporter, had retweeted this out. Did you see that? Where somewhere no, in, L- in New York or – Making like large pizzas, rolling that bitch up, cutting in half and calling it a pizza burrito. And people are eating these things like giant burritos. It's a big pizza huh. burrito. It kind of looks delicious. <laughs> I was going to say, my interest has peaked. I'm quite yeah, interested. It's kind of good, actually. A big cheesy, you know, tomato saucy, crusty, delicious looking thing. It would look pretty good. I can't think of a thing that's wrong with that. Similarly, I can't think of a thing that's wrong having football back. There's football on our TVs right now. The Browns are playing the Eagles. Uh, there will be football on tomorrow, but most importantly, this Saturday with college football starting that I don't endorse anybody watching because the games this weekend do not look very inviting unless you are interested in those teams specifically, is our own preseason action against the Houston Texans. Game three, obviously, game one was the 33-7 loss in Baltimore to get things started. Really poor showing from the offensive line, Sean Mannion. Last week, uh, the Rams ended up winning the game 19-15, but more importantly were the performances of the offensive line. Joe Noteboom stepped in for Cornelius Lucas, who got put down a peg on the offensive line depth chart. Sean Mannion looked better as a result. You had Kadaro Hodge with a huge uh, catch. John Kelly continued to impress as a reserve running back. And you had some interesting pieces on defense. Marky Christian, uh, John Franklin Myers, Justin Lawler, a couple of interesting performances there. So we go into game three. We're about to bring on Tim McHale from Battle Red Blog, the SB Nation community for fans of the Houston, Texas. Before we do that, Robbo, any thoughts on the game? Anything that's uh, uh, feeling like a rolled-up pizza burrito in your head as we head into week three at home? Well, uh, well, with the news breaking today that uh, we probably aren't going to see many offensive starters at the Rams, uh, I guess I'm looking forward to some defensive starters, something to kind of you know wrap my arms around and 
the usually usually the dress rehearsal for an NFL preseason uh, for a team uh, looks like Sean McVay is uh, going to sit what Witt and Sully and uh, with Havenstein hurt, he's not willing to risk any of his guys. So it looks like we might have some defensive guys. Maybe we'll have to focus on the up defensive side of the ball. See what Keith Tilly, but Marcus Peters, how that's going to work out there with Johnson and and uh, Joyner, that kind of thing. And you know, will we see Mark Barron? I'm going to say probably not. But uh, you know, right. Corey Littleton gets some run up there. So that's kind of where I'll probably be focusing my my attention on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm mainly just interested in the personnel. I mean, obviously, to get more performances, I'm just – I'm not even caring as much as if people are playing well as much as I just want to see football. But um, the personnel on the offensive line and the linebackers um, continues to rotate, continues to uh, interest, I think, all of us, and especially because, you know, the news this week that Dominique Easley's going to get some time at outside linebacker coming off the pup, whether that's just in practice or during the game. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, but to make sure that we understand what's going on on the Houston side of things, it's our friend Tim McHale from Battle Red Blog. That's at Battle Red Blog on Twitter. Tim, what's going on, man? How are you? Not good, fellas. Thanks for having me. So most important question first, Pete, are, are you in Houston? Are you from Houston? Do you live in Houston? All three, yeah. What is, what is as, as a Houston – uh, pizza specialist. What, what what is an ingredient that you refuse to eat on pizzas? What what would piss off people in H Town if you had it on your pizza? I, I think as you alluded to earlier, there's a pretty passionate group that's against things like pineapple. But I think what you probably see a lot more down here than maybe in other parts of the country is lots of people prefer jalapeno on their pizzas. Mm. Uh, give it a little kick. So uh, I recommend it. It's a solid addition. I absolutely for people who have and obviously we're in. LA-based team. We've got a Houston-based guest tonight. If you haven't had some Mexican ingredients on your pizzas, you're failing yourself. Jalapeno, stellar. Chorizo, absolutely incredible. Um, Cebolitas, if you've got grilled green onions, you can't really fail with the Mexican ingredients. I totally agree, and I'm glad we brought you on tonight, Tim. Um, let's get to the game, man. Houston stuff. Where are you guys at? What's the state of the team in terms of injuries? Do you guys have starters that aren't playing? Obviously, we're not as in tune with the Houston news as we are the Rams news. Give us a sense of where you guys are at coming into this. Well, we've had a bunch of starters who haven't played at all. Uh, but Bill O'Brien uh, said a couple of days ago that as far as he concerned, as far as he's concerned, if they're healthy, people are going to play on Saturday against the Rams. So guys like J.J. Watt, Jadevian Clowney, uh, Whitney Merciless, those guys haven't played at all in the preseason. But uh, at least with Watt, I would imagine for sure for a few plays, Clowney rejoined practice this week as well. I imagine you'll see him. Whitney Merciless, not so sure. They're kind of still saying maybe he might not be until week one of the regular season uh, as he's battling a hamstring issue. But, you know, for that part, knock on wood, uh, everybody's mostly healthy, and I would expect to see most, if not all, of them on Saturday against the Rams, even if it's only in limited action. And so offensively, how have you guys looked? Who's standing out? Obviously, it's preseason action. A lot of this is just about, you know, figuring out roster decisions and uh, the back end of the roster more so than validating the guys at the front. But uh, what, what should Rams fans know about the Houston Texans offense, at least for a preseason game? You know, I think it, I think it's always worth keeping an eye on Deshaun Watson. He played uh, one series in each of the first two games. I'd expect him to play a little bit more against the Rams. Probably not too much more, but a little bit more. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins also hasn't played a lot. I would expect to see him a little bit. Will Fuller. That's really sort of the three the three pronged attack when it comes to Houston's passing attack. Um, you know, tight end is is still 
sort of a black hole, um, but they have had some contributions, certainly in the first preseason game from Jordan Akins, the rookie tight end out of uh, right. Central Florida. I would expect to see some of him. And, you know, running the ball, you know, you'll, you'll probably see Lamar Miller is still going to get the lion's share of the carries. I imagine you'll see a whole bunch of guys who are on the bubble also competing. Troy Main Pope is a young player that's, that's turned some heads in preseason. I'd expect to see him get some carries as well. Deonta Foreman's still out with the torn Achilles from last year. Uh, Alfred Blue uh, still on the team, uh, mostly a special oh, wow. teams guy. And, and what, a, yeah, what a ringing so, endorsement! <laughs> that's that's really the best thing I'd say. It's sort of like mail. I mean, it's it's happening. Uh, but hey. whether you're excited about it or not, who's to say? Uh, Alfred Blue's a guy that could very easily get squeezed out if Foreman is able to come back healthy this year. But for right now. I really don't see any way he's not on the season opening roster, probably as the, as the backup running back to Lamar Miller. So those are the guys I would keep an eye on for offensive skill-wise. The offensive line is still very much sort of a work in progress, a lot of new faces from this year. Uh, it remains to be seen how they'll hold up against the legitimate number one pass rush. So those are all things to kind of keep an eye on when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, obviously, you got star power at the top. J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney, Whitney Merciless, Zach Cunningham, Kareem Jackson, Teron Matthew now. How's the defense coming together, and what's, uh, what's the depth looking like, at least through two preseason games? You know, it's, I, I don't think it's a very deep team, but I think that, as you said, starter-wise, they're pretty stacked. Uh, there's not a ton of depth, and, and I think there's a lot of open questions, especially in the secondary, because – You've got Kareem Jackson, who's now made the move full-time to safety, and you've got Taran Matthew back there, who should obviously help the team as well. Jonathan Joseph is no spring chicken, and opposite him, they're still really counting on Kevin Johnson, who was their first-round pick a couple years ago, to really turn it around. He was very good as a rookie, had some injury problems his second year, and and last year, frankly, just was was abysmal, as well as uh, battling injuries throughout as well so and he actually sustained a concussion in the last preseason game so I don't even know that you're going to see him on Saturday secondary though is I think probably the biggest uh weakness on the team in terms of depth linebackers especially inside with Bernardrick McKinney and as you said Zach Cunningham pretty solid that defensive line in terms of a pass rush with Merciless Clowney and Watt if they are all actually able to stay healthy has a chance to be a really really special defense what you got Robo? I was thinking uh uh, but Mr. Deshaun Watson making his uh, preseason debut uh, after that you know, terrible knee injury last year. Uh, five of eight, 73 yards, and a touchdown and a 131 rating. Sounds like uh, it looks like you know all things considered, he's ready to go. Any thoughts on Deshaun yeah. and, and how we're feeling in Houston about him? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously everyone here is over the moon about him. I mean, we've been in the in the wilderness when it comes to quarterback play for so long that. You have a guy like Deshaun Watson come around, and, and frankly, nobody knows what to do with themselves. They're all so excited. But he's played very, very well last year. He, came, he did sustain the, the unfortunate ACL tear and, and, as a result, missed the rest of last year, but really has come along very well. He was most of OTAs. He wasn't wearing a brace. He's looked, by all accounts, great in practice. He's looked great in games. Hasn't looked limited at all. Uh, so I think he's a guy that, that – a whole lot of people are expecting a whole lot from in his sophomore year in the NFL. If he can deliver, I think the Texans have a chance to be a really, really good football team. But, I mean, I, we've seen your star quarterback goes down. It's awfully tough to, to shoulder that. And I, at this point, really the biggest thing that they're worried about with him is his health because he's a special talent. He's a special player. If Bill O'Brien is able to continue sort of molding his offense around him, I think there's a chance for the Texans to surprise some people this year coming off a 4-12 and year. One of the things that 
one of the things I always find fascinating with mobile quarterbacks is it creates this kind of it's it's a it's a false dichotomy where you've got is, is, look at what's happening with Russell Wilson in Seattle where because you've got a mobile quarterback you say oh well he can create out of the pocket he can do things on the move we don't necessarily need to have the best offensive line and then it forces them to do some things that you don't want them to do and maybe end up getting injured what how do you feel about the offensive line are you worried that uh, he's going to be kind of what uh, they're talking about in Baltimore exposing Lamar Jackson to too much uh, physicality too many hits simply because he's so mobile and he's doing so many things beyond the line of scrimmage? Are you worried that uh, maybe Deshaun's going to get exposed because of the offensive line, or do you think this is something that maybe he can sit in the pocket and be a little bit more of a pocket pass? Well, I think one of the biggest questions entering into the season, if not the absolute biggest one, is the Texans' offensive line. Last year, they were absolutely horrific. I think pretty much dead last in most league, league metrics. They were horrible. Odd as it sounds, though, when Watson was under center, it wasn't nearly as much of an issue. And they had guys on their offensive line last year that had no business starting. So this year they've made a bunch of changes. They're going to be very young uh, on the offensive line. They're, you know, they've got, they're going to have a second-year uh, tackle starting, at, starting and protecting Deshaun's uh, blind side. They're hoping for a guy like Seantro Henderson or a rookie like Martinez Rankin to be able to hold down the right side. And the interior of the line, they brought in some free agents, and Senio Calamete and Zach Fulton – the guard, Nick Martin, will be the same, but he's the only starter that was there last year. So a whole lot of upheaval on the offensive line, and these aren't a bunch of high-dollar free agents that they brought in. Zach Fulton, they're, playing, they're paying good money to, but the rest of the guys, not a ton. So if they're able to gel, I think it's obviously only going to help Deshaun Watson, but we saw last year he was able to make an absolutely horrific offensive line look not as bad. It's always a concern when you've got a guy who's running for his life all the time. You, you know, you mentioned Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. That offensive line's been bad for a long time, but because he's such a special talent, he can kind of mitigate it. We'll see if Deshaun Watson's able to do the same thing. I expect Houston's offensive line to be much better this year, not to the point that they're, anyone's confusing them with a good unit, but maybe they can approach something like league average. And if they're able to do that, I think Watson's going to have a chance to grow as a quarterback both inside and outside of the pocket. Interesting note. I'm seeing her look at stats real quick. Over, last, uh, over the first two games, they and the San Francisco 49ers, the only two teams who have not given up a sack in the preseason. Interesting indeed. Um, question for you, Tim. Is, has there been any uh, noticeable change in maybe the approach or the culture? It's Bill O'Brien's fifth year, as Rob helpfully pointed out to me before we got recording. Uh, missed the playoffs last year. Obviously, the injury to Deshaun Watson kind of derailed things. Uh, but as you mentioned, didn't have the greatest offensive line play. You had some injuries on the defensive side, primarily J.J. Watt. Um, where, where are things at this year? And has there been a different tone? At least for the Rams, we're seeing a little bit different. You know, the, the, last year it was a bit of the unknown. Sean McVay comes in, this youngest head coach ever, kind trying to prove himself. This year it's been a little more uh, assured where he's, you know, he, he, he was never lacking confidence, but now he's kind of earned the right to exude it in a way that maybe didn't exist last year. Is there any kind of difference in what you've seen in terms of the Texans' approach to the preseason to training camp that may be different from years past? I don't know that I'd say so much that I've seen a difference in approach. What has changed for sure is that Bill O'Brien is, if not running the organization now, is certainly sitting shotgun with the new GM doing it. But up until this year, Rick Smith was the general manager, and especially in the last couple of years, really almost going back to as far as, as O'Brien's first year, there was always rumors of tension and disagreement between Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien. Well, 
Rick Smith is no longer employed with the Texans. He, he took a leave when his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, and he's no longer uh, the general manager of the team. They brought in Brian Gain, who has a long-term relationship with Bill O'Brien. They like each other and know each other from having worked other places and having mutual friends. And they has, you know, the, the word that we heard all offseason is alignment and how much O'Brien and, and Gain agree, think alike, even building a team the same way. So I think that the big change that I would say we've seen this offseason is to the extent there was ever any power struggle between Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien won. He got extended in the offseason. It's now undoubtedly I think he's the one along with Brian Gain calling the shots, and I don't think there's going to be as much pushback as there might have been, say, under Rick Smith. So I think the biggest thing that we've seen is sort of that transformation in the culture from there may, maybe being some some debate or some dispute as to who really had the final word. I don't think that's up. I don't think that's up for debate anymore. And as a result, I think Bill O'Brien's probably more firmly entrenched than he's ever been. How about uh, Tyron Matthew? As some of the Rams fans would be well uh, versed in, since he played for the uh, the Cards for so many years. How's he fit in with you guys? And what's the outlook with him? Uh, you know, with this defense. I know you mentioned secondary depth, but uh, that's a vet who should make an impact for you guys. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I still frankly can't believe that he chose to, to come here on a one-year, $7 million deal. You would have thought a guy like that would have had multiple years and multiple offers from other teams for higher money, but he took essentially what amounted to a prove-it deal here in Houston because he said that he thought that Houston had a chance to win and Houston had a chance to have a special defense. And we haven't seen him in the preseason yet. He's another guy that hasn't played an active, uh, an active role in the preseason games yet. But by all accounts, in terms of how he's been in practice, how he's been in camp, everyone's raved about him, about what a leader he is, how people have followed his lead, for the intensity and the professionalism he's brought to a locker room that I think wasn't exactly lacking for it on that side of the ball anyway. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that I think this year people were really, really just interested to see what happens. It's, it's not going to be like in, in Arizona where he sort of moved all over the field to some degree. Uh, he's going to be under Romeo Cornell, who, while he's very, very creative with how he deploys his players, he's more or less said that they're going to leave Matthew at safety. They're not going to move him to the slot or anything like that. And I think that you're going to see him playing sort of a different role here this year than he maybe did in Arizona. And it remains to be seen whether it's going to be as productive as he was before the injury in Arizona. If they're going to keep him at safety, then will they have? Uh, do they have a you know a dedicated nickel corner that comes in? They do. Uh, you know, Aaron Colvin was their big sort of secondary, their other secondary signing uh, from the Jaguars, and he primarily played nickel and, and slot for the Jags. They're going to try him out on the boundary here, and he'll be starting with Jonathan Joseph, I think, especially with Kevin Johnson being out, or, or at least sort of being uncertain as to as to when he'll come back and how he'll play. But, you know, that nickel corner spot, I think there's a chance to see some fluctuation there. I don't know exactly how they're going to address it if they move Colvin inside. Kareem Jackson, before he moved to safety, really, especially when A.J. Boye was here, really sort of played a lot more of the nickel than he, he has recently. I think there's a lot of uh, different cha- different things that they might be able to do with that third corner spot, which, you know, whether that ends up being good for them or bad for them, we'll see. Yeah, sounds good. It's uh, something we'll look forward to with, you know, could be a Cooper Cup and, and, and uh, Cooks out there, both, you know, able to play the slot. We'll, uh, you know, even with Goff not throwing the ball to a man, and should, you know, be a good test for them to kind of see that look. Sean Mannion previews it. Shuddering already. Uh, we're speaking with Tim McHale, the managing editor, Battle Red Blog, at Battle Red Blog. Um, 
Tim, let's do this. Let's divert from football just for a second, loosen things up again. Give me one uh, new restaurant recommendation in Houston that you would send out in general, and then maybe a taco rec. Where's your favorite taco or where's your favorite taco joint? All right. Well, I mean, the nice part about one of the many great things about the town here is there's great restaurants here. So when people say throw out a restaurant, I got to ask you, like, you already – you accept it. You've got to give me some type of specific scene, and I'll give you a wreck. Give me something. I've heard a lot about the Asian community down there. Recently, seen a there couple shows go. that covered the Houston side that talk a lot about the Viet Cajun, a lot of the crawfish. Give me something in that area if you yep. can. Gotcha. Uh, it's not really Vietnamese. There's there's a whole Viet town, and there's so many good Vietnamese restaurants in Houston, in that neighborhood, and elsewhere. But if you want to talk about, you know, specifically like Asian food, that sort of thing, I think the best sushi point in is called Uchi, U C H I. It's fantastic. Another place that I love is Kuk, K U. A lot of Asian, not necessarily just sushi, but just fantastic, fantastic food. Um, when it comes to taco Mexican food. You know, I always tell people go to the original Nifas on Navigation on the east side of town. That's the best Mexican food joint in the place in the in town. You know, everybody's got their own place. That's probably if you want to talk about a specific cuisine that everyone's most passionate about here, it's probably Tex Mex and they've all got their favorite different joints depending on what part on they live in. But for my favorite I'd go with the original Ninfas on Navigation Boulevard. Yeah, see, I'm from Dallas, so I refuse to acknowledge that you guys That's have Tex-Mex food because you That's guys don't. You guys don't have Tex-Mex food. <laughs> you guys take uh, recycled sludge and put it on plates and call it food. And that's uh-huh. okay. Every, everybody, everybody's allowed to have their own cuisine. Unlike, unlike Dallas. Unlike you know, Dallas. Dallas. Dallas cuisine is. You're allowed, you're allowed to have queso. It's okay. It's not, it's uh-huh. not poison. It's good for you. Um, Velveeta. Good record. Right. Good right. question. Pineapple and tacos, yay or nay? Say that one more time, tacos. Pineapple in a taco. We've talked about pineapple in a pizza. We didn't talk about pineapple in a rolled-up pizza, but pineapple in a taco, yes or no? You know, if it floats your boat, go ahead and do it. It's not something I ever do. If it makes you happy, life's too short. Go ahead and put apples in your tacos. I feel you. What do you think, Rob? Pineapple in a taco? Is that a yes or a no? Yeah, if you go if you go non traditional and you go with uh, like a like a mango pineapple salsa or something, uh, I can I, maybe fish as well. I can go that way. I can get into it. See, you're bred and born West gotta, Coast though, so you, you, you gotta you, put I, some chili slices. You gotta have something yeah. like a little uh, serrano or something or, or Fresnos. You gotta drop something if you get the heat with it. You can't just go all sweet. Fair enough. Uh, Tim, back to the football. Um, got this game, and then you got the Cowboys finishing up here in Dallas, uh, then getting into the regular season. What are the demands, the expectations? I talked about this in the three questions I did on the site uh, with Matt. Uh, for people who didn't see that, tertialtimes.com. Check out the site. We got a good Q&A on our side, one on theirs, talking about what to look for for the Rams. Um, what are the expectations for the team this year? Like we said, Bill O'Brien's fifth year. You can't lean on you know, the GM, Rick Smith, not there anymore as a crutch for any kind of excuse. What, what's the sense of what he needs to do to avoid any kind of hot seat if he's not already on? Uh, he's certainly not on a hot seat. The extent that there was one, I think it probably would have been last year when they went 4-12. Uh, but, you know, there's no doubt Bill O'Brien's not going anywhere after this year. I really don't care how bad things bottom out right now. Yep. In terms of expectations, you know, I think – uh, would probably 
be a wild card contender or a division winner, depending on how sold you are on what the Jaguars are able to do. I believe that they can do it again uh, with Blake Bortles at quarterback if the defense is going to manage to stay that healthy. That probably goes a long way towards when the division or not. But the rest of the division, I mean, you know, I, I'm still not sold on the Tennessee Titans, especially now with Mike Vrabel as head coach. Guy's never been a head coach on any level. The one year he was a defensive coordinator here. Losing him a little bit. I think we might have lost him. Uh-oh. Well, let's see if we can get back uh, Tim to finish this out for a Mike minute. Vrabel, Mike, Mike Vrabel's one year as a defensive coordinator in, in, in Dallas was terrible, and he hates him, and he, he hopes that he uh, retires in shame. Yeah, uh, I, I am uh, interested in the idea that he's not on the hot seat at all. Uh, yeah, that kind of surprised me a little bit. I, and I, I totally understand the idea that he might have been four and twelve last year, but if if he goes four and twelve again this year, I'm not saying they would fire him necessarily. I mean, the chances obviously that they could with a four and twelve season uh, increase exponentially, but the idea that he'd be incredibly comfortable even at four and twelve. I don't know. That surprises me a little bit. Um, let's see if we got him back on. Tim, you there, man? I am. I am. I, I think that was just, you know, probably God speaking against me for talking to somebody from Dallas. That's what happens. <laughs> That's what happens when you insult the case. No. Yeah, so you right. said he's not on the, on the hot seat. The idea, even, if, even if you guys go, and I'm not saying you will or that anybody's necessarily predicting right. this, but if you guys go 4-12 and 12 and you're healthy, you don't think uh, there'd be repercussions for Bill O'Brien at the end of the season? I don't. I don't. Just because he just signed that, he just signed a big extension. Uh, I right. think if they, if 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 it had happened, he was he was going into essentially the last year of his initial contract this year. Uh, if if in fact they hadn't re-upped him and they went four and twelve, I really would find it hard to believe he'd be back. But I think they made the decision this past off season to to roll with him, uh, and and a lot of it's because of how highly Deshaun Watson spoke of him. So I I don't think that. Uh, there's really any chance of Bill O'Brien getting fired after this year. As you said, I don't expect a, a repeat of four and 12 if everyone's healthy, but sure. I really think that, that they sort of made the decision to ride with him. And I don't think that that will change after just one year based on him signing the extension earlier this off season. So you don't think they had to go a Jeff Fisher out where you'd sign him to an uh, extension and then fire him the next year? No, the Rams, the Rams and the Titans, the fact that Jeff Fisher stayed employed for as long as he did while being mediocre at best for the, the vast majority of his career is, is, I think, one of the great unsolved mysteries of the NFL. He's just sitting out there waiting for a call. You guys, you guys yep. could reinvigorate the entire economy with one hire. What a, what a We're position good. to be in. We're good. What's the, what's the sense of Bob McNair, obviously, with the Rams having relocated and changed ownership in the last – uh, 15 years, um, there's been uh, a, a lot of attention on Kroenke as an NFL owner compared to some others, especially given the fact that Kroenke is so uh, un- unpresent in the media. What, what are Texans' feelings about McNair? Obviously, with the stadium, you guys are in good position there. Is there anything else around the franchise that isn't really set in stone, or is this just one of those things where you guys have everything going for you, you just need the football to fall in place? I think you need the football to fall in place. I don't think there's any issues about facilities or anything like that. Uh, Bob McNair did, unfortunately, has repeatedly over the past several months sort of said things publicly that you would really rather not your owner say, no matter what your political affiliation is. So I think the Texans fans are sort of of the opinion that 
hey, if, if uh, Bob McNair believes that, that's all well and good, but the last thing he needs to do is be publicizing his views because no good can come of it. Uh, there's been talk about, you know, maybe it's one of those things where it's, it's time for him to step aside, take a less visible role, and he's not what anybody would consider, I don't think, a meddlesome or overly active owner. But, you know, he's, he's also, he's also um, older, and, and his son has always been rumored as to be the guy that will take over at some point. And I think sure. in light of some of McNair, McNair's remarks, uh, over the past several months, I think there's there's some feeling in the fan base that, hey, maybe that should happen sooner rather than later because recently when Bob McNair has spoken, despite all the good he's done for the city, all the good he's done for, for the region, because there's no doubt he has, he's said and done some things that you just would really rather your owner not broadcast if that's the way he feels. Let's uh, do two predictions, and then we'll let you get out of here. Prediction for the season, how do you think it's going to go? You know, I, I think the Texans are, are at the worst going to be a wild card team. Uh, they don't have a schedule that I don't – I know that you can't really look at strength of schedule too hard at this point, but I think that at least the metrics indicate that it's going to be a relatively kind schedule uh, over the course of the regular season. I think Deshaun Watson's a game changer. I think he's a franchise changer. If he's able to stay healthy, I think that they're capable of beating anyone. And I think we saw that in limited action last year, and hopefully we see him improve and grow upon that this year. So I would say that the Texans probably, you know, at this point, I'd pencil them in for a wild card spot. I'd defer to the Jags because of that defense right now being the better team in the division. But if the Texans were to to win the division, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. But I do expect them to be a playoff team this year. Yeah, the schedule looks good over the middle. The end's going to be a lot of fun, really interesting. Early slate looks tough at New England, at Tennessee, home against the Giants, at Indianapolis. If you guys can get off to a decent start, yeah, you guys should be off and running. Uh, Prediction for Saturday. What what are you expecting, at least from your side of things? What would you like to see? Uh, Who who do you want to see uh, put in a good performance as you guys get closer to making roster decisions? You know, I think you're just going to see a whole lot of vanilla from the Texans. I don't think they're going to do much to try to shake the Rams up in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think you'll see Deshaun Watson play a little bit more than we've seen him play so far, but I also wouldn't expect them to really risk him or DeAndre Hopkins or guys like that too much. The big thing that I'll be keeping an eye on is the offensive line. Uh, I, you know, they've, they've been okay these, last, uh, these first two games, certainly not something that I would consider to be an issue. But in particular, I'll be keeping an eye on Julian Davenport at left tackle and Ciantrell Henderson on the right side. Those are the two keys on the offensive line. If we can see them sort of continue to grow and gel as a unit, I think there's a chance for this team, for the, for the offensive line, as I said, over the course of the year to, to be average. And if they're average with Deshaun Watson, who I think is decidedly not, uh, I think there's a chance for, for the team to be pretty special. On defense, really, for me, it's just going to be about the secondary, seeing how, they, how they're displayed, uh, who they trot out there. It, I also wouldn't expect too much in the, in the form of scheming from Romeo Cornell in a preseason game, but I am interested to see what he does with the secondary since this is as close to a dress rehearsal as we'll get in the preseason. Good stuff. That's a uh, good thing for a uh, good thing for Deshaun is he won't see uh, number 99 this week, so that's going to help that offensive yes. line. Conference, yes, right? I'm, and, and, I'm, and I'm pleased with that. Yeah, I, I think he should take <laughs> his time. No reason to rush back um, by all <laughs> Come means. Come back Sunday, you know, Yeah, make, make a statement. Uh, make sure that they're not taking you for granted. And if, if he changes his mind, say Sunday, that's fine by me. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. I have uh, to say Yeah, pay the man. That's That's the motto, pay – the man. Well, 
That'll do it, Tim. Thanks for coming on, man. Tim McHale, everybody, managing editor, recipient of hate mail, as I understand his official title be now, managing editor over at Battle Red Blog. It's at Battle Red Blog on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, Tim. Thank you, fellas. Have a great evening and good luck on Saturday and this season. You as well. Enjoy the game. Take care. Good to have Tim on. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game. It's you know, from our side, I, I don't know, there's so much for us to look to. And obviously, when you get the other team side, you're trying to figure out, okay, where are they at if they've got, you know, tackles that maybe aren't an offensive line that isn't as settled? Is that something where we should look for this defensive line, especially as good as John Franklin Myers looked last week, depending on if we get some of the other starters, if Michael Brockers and Indomitian Sue get any time? I know we talked yeah. about some of the starters that McVeigh said aren't going to play, but if those guys go – against the suspect offensive line, and this is the only chance we're going to see him in the preseason, you kind of want to see him eat, and you kind of want to see it, especially against the inferior opponents. And, you know, talking about a secondary that maybe doesn't look that good with, you know, as good as the offense was last year, and this might be our only chance to see Brandon Cooks in the preseason, where maybe we want to see the deep threat really get used down the field and see what happens. What do you think? Well, I, I think the, probably the person who's, who would be the – biggest recipient would be Mannion, right? Because uh, there'd be no more excuses about, Maybe. well, I'm throwing to Fred Brown, who's, who's got seven drops in the preseason. I'm throwing to the number ones in this team who are all pretty pretty damn good across the board. So uh, if he stinks it up, it's on him. I don't I don't hear any yeah. – can't. there's no other excuses. And then I don't know if you saw the poll today. There was a – CBS put a thing out there just talking about Mannion in general, um, saying which, which of the 32 teams are should trade for Teddy Bridgewater. And the Rams were listed as number one. Uh, Sean Mannion, his his sure. struggles are being noted across the league. So it's not just it's not a secret. Uh, it's out, and so that's something you know. If, if Jared Goff is definitely going to you know take a seat, and but they play some of the other starters, uh, it's on him to move the ball because there's no other excuses. You, you, there, this is put up or shut up time for Sean Mannion, my in my thought. Because if he has a bad game, then you got to start looking at waiver wire, right? You got to start looking at the RG threes and whatever options are out there because uh, I don't think you can have Super Bowl aspirations with a quarterback you're not comfortable with uh, because it's, it's one hit away from Jared Goff going down. And then what do you have? You need someone who can at least keep keep on the rails. So I, that's, that's probably the biggest thing for me is, is what will Sean Mannion do with better players? Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like said, the defense, um, you know, they'll have, yeah. if they have Sue and they have uh, Brockers and you've got Ibukum on one side and whoever we decide to put on, you know, is it Don Easley? Is it, uh, whoever they're going to put on the other side, uh, Corey Littleton out there, and, and that defense can they, you know, can they stop a, a pretty good Houston Texans offense? Let's see, let's see what the number ones can do. Good Plenty times coming. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, for a and get a chance to def- to defend against Deshaun Watson. That in and of itself, like we were talking about with Tim, that's a that's a pretty big I challenge, watching, especially for linebackers. He's great. I love watching that kid play. He's so good. Uh, he's, he's we, we claimed him on Twitter in 2014. That's how that works, man. When we tweet <laughs> from the TST account and we say he's ours now, that's like a trademark. That's a copyright. You can't yeah. just draft him to other teams. No, no, no. He, he should be ours. They should have sent him over. We'll give him Mannion and, uh, and, and Allen in return. Two for one. The rule of law in this country is absolute. <laughs> I'm going I'm to make Bill O'Brien flip on him. Uh, Robbo, um, good little short one. Got the preview yeah. in. Knocked it right under 30. Over no, 30. We got close. 41. 41. That's all right. 
Uh, we'll be back talk about things Saturday night. Am I correct on that? We, we Saturday, Saturday after night, the right? game, right? Well, we'll do it Saturday. Saturday after the game. After the game. All of the stuff. We'll get it ready on the site tomorrow with the post up. Crew. We'll have the sheet together. Full crew should have Joey O back. He's having complicated pizza tonight. Myson's back from practice. We should have the whole crew ready to talk it down. The only game that we're going to see the starters heading into preseason game number four, which is just the roster game where you see the deepest depth. Maybe we finally get to see Luis Perez. Maybe we don't. In any case, that'll do it. Once we get to that, that's the end of the preseason. And then it's on to actual football, man. We made it. Then it's real football. Our first view of Jared Goff married been less than two weeks away. The sun will rise. Not sure where, but it will rise. Good stuff. All right. Go Rams. We out. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.